Genesis chapter 3. We'll begin our reading in verse 1. As we look at the subject this morning in making good decisions, making good decisions. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. We'll be studying through Genesis chapter 3 Wednesday for our digging deeper, diving deeper, and we're going to be looking verse by verse through Genesis chapter 3, but this morning we're going to give an overview of this wonderful chapter here as we consider the idea of how we can make good decisions that honor the Lord. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, 
and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. living. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of uh, skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and we're thankful for the instruction that we have to help us and to help us to navigate life. Our life is filled with decisions, Lord, and it is our desire to make decisions that honor you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us by your word. I pray, Lord, you would help us to have the wisdom to make the decisions, to follow the way that you'd have us to go. And may you be glorified in our time together here this morning. I pray that you would bind Satan and his demons. I pray that your word would fall on good ground. I pray that it would grow in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis begins with creation. It is indeed a battle for the beginning today. God created this world and he does not uh, give to us evidence of his creation but makes a declaration in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says that God made everything. God made man and woman and gave them purpose. And God placed Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and Adam was to garden and to guard. He was to, uh, he was to labor, to dress it and to keep it as the Bible says in chapter 2 and verse number 15. Now, we know that Adam was perfect and he had the ability to choose. And we know that God is perfect and he is not the author of sin. The Bible teaches us that he does not tempt us with evil. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, the animals were tame and it was a wonderful place. The Garden of Eden was a wonderful place to enjoy the very creation of God. But we also understand that the devil is very real. And the devil entered into Adam's home. The devil, the Bible says, came into Adam's home and he deceived the woman. And the Bible says that Adam made a choice. He chose to disobey God. And by that one decision that Adam made, he plunged the entire human race into sin. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, for as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Think about this for just a moment. That one decision changed everything, everything. Now we make decisions every day. We make decisions every day. I heard the story of a husband and wife and a husband and his wife prior to marriage decided that he would make all of the major decisions and she would make all the minor decisions. 
And after 20 years of marriage, he was asked how things were working, and he says, they're working great. He says, in the 20 years, I've never had to make a major decision. <laughs> Life will be different tomorrow because of the decisions that you make today. Now, how can we protect ourselves from making destructive decisions? Well, I think the testimony of Adam and Eve should teach us some things. You know, I, I think there's lessons to be learned uh, from their life. Someone said this, to every man there openeth a way and ways and a way. And some men climb the highway and some men grow below. And in between on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. And to every man there openeth a highway and a low. And to Every man decideth which way his soul will go. Our life is, again, filled with decisions. And making the right decision is going to impact our life significantly. Now, how can we, how can we navigate our life in making decisions? Well, the Bible gives to us some ways in which will help us to make good decisions. Number one, we see, first of all, there in the Bible, there's pronouncements, there's commands, and these commands are simple to understand. They are, thus saith the Lord. The Bible says that God has given us a command that we are to have no other gods before him, that we are not to take the name of the Lord God, his name in vain. These are commands. Now, not all commands in the Bible are directed to us but those commands that we have should be followed and should be obeyed. And when it comes to making decisions in our life, these decisions ought to be pretty simple. When God says no, we say no. When God says yes, then we have the opportunity to say yes. The reality is, is that these commands, these pronouncements ought to be followed in our life. And God has given us these commands not to make our life miserable, but God has given us these commands because he knows what is best for us. He knows what is best for us. We find various commands. Last Sunday afternoon, we looked at the command of not grieving the Spirit of God. And we looked at the command to be filled with the Spirit and to not quench the Spirit of God. These are commands that God gives to us. And so there's pronouncements, commands. There's also principles, principles. A principle is not a direct command, but a principle is a truth to help us, to to direct us. Now, the Bible does not say, thou shalt not do drugs. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but there are principles to help us to understand that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that we're to glorify God, glorify God not only with our soul, but also with our bodies. And these are principles, and, and we can take these principles personally as they give light to help us and direct us, and so many principles in the Bible that we can use. So there's pronouncements, there's principles, but also the Bible is filled with proverbs. Proverbs is an expression of practical instruction and truth. And a proverb would be something as simple as Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, 
but a scorner heareth not rebuke. That's a proverb. A proverb is wisdom for our life. You know, there's a wonderful proverb in the Bible. It states for us that an ox is messy. An ox is messy, but great benefit comes from the ox. And these are things in our life that, that may be hard to manage and they may be hard, uh, they're messy in our life, but the benefit of those things outweigh the work involved. I mean, it's difficult to raise kids and we would say that, yeah, life gets messy when you have kids, but the result of having children far outweigh the messiness of having children. And so the, the principle of the Bible in Proverbs 14.4 is that, yeah, there is mess in some things, but the reality is, is that they benefit far more than the mess involved. In Proverbs 15.17, it says that it's better to have a simple meal where there's love than have a, a, an expensive feast where there's hatred. And these are Proverbs in the Bible, and the Bible is filled with Proverbs, and these bits of wisdom are great ways to direct our lives. Pronouncements and principles and Proverbs, but there's also promises. And promises are both positive and negative. You say, Pastor Burns, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says you reap what you sow. That's a promise. The Bible makes a promise and it reminds us that we are to sow good seeds, spiritual seeds, because one day those seeds will grow. And if we're constantly planting fleshly seeds, carnal seeds, we cannot be surprised when the garden of our life is of those things. And so the Bible gives us promises that God will be with us and he'll direct us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. All of the Bible truth that we have are to help us to make good decisions. And they're to guide us, to give us light in our lives. I read this story in a book I was recently reading about decisions. And in this, in this book, the author said this, I remember one winter, my dad needed firewood. And he found a dead tree and he sawed it down. In the spring, to his dismay, new shoots sprouted from the trunk. He said, I thought for sure that the tree was dead. The leaves had all dropped in the wintertime, and it was so cold, the twigs snapped as if there was no life left in the old tree. But now I see that, that, that this tree was still full of life. It had life still at the root. He looked at me and he said this, don't forget this important lesson. Never cut a tree down in the wintertime. Never make a decision in your low time of life. Never make your most important decisions when you are at your worst mood. Wait and be patient. The storm will pass. The spring will come. That's great advice. That's great advice. You know, the devil is far wiser than me and you, he is, he is shrewd and he is subtle. And we know that though the devil is powerful and wise, he is not more powerful and he is not wiser than God. And God has given to us light to help us. And I believe that we can learn some important truths about fatal decisions that we can make 
I think Adam and Eve teaches us some important things for our life. Number one, if you're taking notes, would you write it down? Something as simple as this, the command from the creator. The command from the creator. Genesis chapter 2, 15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely eat. Die. Now, the command is simplistic. You can enjoy in the garden all of the trees, but this one tree belongs to me. You know, we are living in a day today, in a society today, where the attitude of individuals is, you cannot tell me what to do. This, the Bible calls, by the way, the Bible calls it the spirit of rebellion, and God hates rebellion. You know, one thing about a command is a command reveals the heart. From out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 15, 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulterers, adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witness and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiled not the man. God gave Adam many trees to enjoy. God gave Adam a wonderful paradise to enjoy. But one tree, one tree belonged to God. It was his. You know, I think we would all agree here this morning that it's just like the devil to get Adam and Eve, specifically Adam, to focus on the one tree that he couldn't have. It's just like the devil to get Adam to focus on that one tree that he could not have instead of enjoying all of the other trees that he could have. Isn't that just like the devil? The devil wants us to be discontent. And the devil is busy trying to get us to to, to want what other people have or to enjoy what other people have. And so we see the command was to not eat of the tree. God tells Adam, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is a command from God, a command from God. It was direct and it was important. Now, there may, may be a lot in the Bible that we don't understand, <laughs> And there's a lot in the Bible that we do understand. And instead of focusing on all the things that we don't understand, maybe we should focus our attention on what we do understand and obey those things that we do understand. And God gave Adam a command. He gave him a truth here. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God gave a command. And that command was to protect Adam's home from the wicked one. The Bible says in verse 15 of our text, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Adam was given a task. He was given responsibility. And God said, Adam, your job here is to garden and to guard. You're to keep the garden and you're to dress the garden. The reality is, is that today we still have a responsibility to protect our homes from the devil. You know what Paul said in Ephesians 4.27? He said, neither give place to the devil. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I say all of this today because Adam had everything he needed to make a good decision. Everything he needed to make a good decision. I want us to notice number two, not only a command from God, but can we write this down? The convincing of the creature. The Bible says in verse number one of our text, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, have God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, the word there, subtle, it, it means to be skillful, to be shrewd, to be prudent. And we read in this passage of Scripture that the devil possesses a serpent. And he takes what God, and don't miss this, he takes what God had created as good and he uses it for evil. And that is what the devil does today. All that God created as wholesome and right, he has polluted it, he has corrupted it. That is what the devil does in our world today. That is the MO of the devil. That is his plan. And so the serpent that we would read about in chapter 3 is not the serpent that we would see today in our world. No, the serpent would be a lot different than the snake that we think about in our world today. That snake or that serpent would have been, it would have been harmless and it would have been attractive and it would have been appealing. It was the most subtle creature in which God had created. And there was a reason why the devil chose that serpent to use that serpent. And, and the Bible teaches us that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. As Paul told the church at Corinth, he he says, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan presents himself as something that is wholesome and something that is good and something that is right. You, you know, it's interesting. The Mormon church, they would deny that Jesus is God. 
And that is obviously a foundational doctrine of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Son of God. And recently I was watching a video from the Mormon church and they were giving a, a, a presentation for Christmas. And as I was listening to that presentation, I thought to myself at the end of it, wow, everything they said sounded so good. I would even think if you presented it to me and I didn't know the title, I would even think that that was from a Baptist church. Everything was down the line. Everything seemed to be doctrinally correct. Everything seemed to be right. And that's how the devil presents himself. He's an angel of light. And he presents himself as good and wholesome and right. But the reality is he is a liar. A retired man moves near a high school. We think about the subtlety and the trickery of the devil. A retired man moves near a high school and he spends a few weeks, a uh, couple weeks of his retirement uh, in peace and quiet. Uh, however, when school begins, three young boys would leave the school and they would beat on trash cans every single day on their way home. And it was so loud and it was so disturbing. And finally, the man decides that he has to take action. And so he meets those young boys and he says to the young men, he says, you kids are having a lot of fun. You know what? I'm gonna give you $5 if you promise you'll come around every day the same time and you'll do your thing. You'll pound on those trash cans. And the kids continued to, you know, do a, a really good job and they would leave school and they would pound on those trash cans as hard as they could. And a few days had passed and, and the man comes to the boys and he says, listen, boys, the recession is hitting me really bad and I'm not going to be able to pay you $5 like I was to, to smash on those trash cans and I'm only going to be able to pay you $2. And, and you know, the, the young men, the noisemakers, they were displeased, but they accepted the offer for two dollars and they continued every day after school to pound on those trash cans a few days later the older man approaches them again and he says boys i'm so sorry to tell you this but things are really tough and i'm only going to be able to give you one dollar only one dollar to smash on those trash cans every day and the boys, they began to be angry. They said, a dollar? They said, if you think that we're going to come here and smash on those trash cans for one dollar, you're nuts, man. We quit. <laughs> and the man smiled and walked away. And that's how the devil works. He is subtle and he is cunning. And though he is more powerful than all of us put together, the Bible really doesn't focus much on his power as it does on his wilds or his trickery. Because he is a deceiver. In fact, the Bible says that he deceives the nations. And the names of the devil helps us to better understand his job or his work. The Bible says that his name is Belial or worthless. He is the enemy. 
He is the serpent. The Bible calls him Satan, the tempter. He is the ruler of demons. He is our adversary or our enemy. He is the strong man in Matthew 12. He is a murderer. He is the angel of the bottomless pit. He's the great red dragon. He is a liar and the father of lies. He is Beelzebub. He is the ruler of the world. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the God of this world. He's the wicked one. He is Apollyon, or he is the destroyer. That's a pretty bad resume. And that is the heart of the devil. He is a roaring lion, and he walketh about looking whom he can destroy. The Bible teaches us that we are to protect ourselves from the wiles of the devil. Now, what are the wiles of the devil? Well, we see right away in our scripture here, Satan questioned God's word. Yea, have God said. And the devil wants us this morning, listen, the devil wants us this morning to question the word of God. The devil wants you to question God's truth. There was a a popular bumper sticker that went around for a long time, and that bumper sticker simply said, question authority. And that attitude really has come from the heart of of the devil. He led them toward a carnal conclusion. I want to give you a couple of thoughts here. Turn it with me to 1 John chapter 2. Can we turn there, 1 John chapter 2? And notice here how the devil... Uh, kind of directs Adam and Eve to make a carnal decision, or not a spiritual decision, but a fleshly decision. First John chapter 2 and verse 15. And again, we're going to really break this out on Wednesday as we go through it verse by verse. This is a very quick overview. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Look what the Bible says here. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now notice what led Eve to take of that fruit. Notice how and why Eve made the decision that she made. The Bible says, first of all, that she saw that it was good for food. Now what does the Bible call it? That's the lust of the, of the, of the flesh. I want that. And then the Bible says that she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. It looks good. And, and she wanted to take And then she saw that it would make one wise, that is the pride of life. You see, the devil directed her to make a carnal decision. And that's what the devil wants us to do today when it comes to the bad decisions that I've made in my life and that you've made in your life as Christians. The devil wants us not to, to follow the word of God. He wants us to question God's word And he wants us to make a decision based on our emotions, how we feel, what we want in our life, and not what will please the Lord. And let me give you thirdly, and I'll be done, the consequence of the couple. We see that Adam made a bad decision, and a little deception here, and a little carnality there, and they find themselves in a place where they would never think they would ever be. And that's how the devil works in our life. And we see three simple things. Number one, they were broken. They were broken. They, were, they spiritually died. They became a thief. 
uh, they became sinners. The Bible says, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. And we see that we are separated from God because of our sin. We have spiritually died. But not only are we broken, but we, we see here that they were also banished. They were thrown out of paradise. The woman was cursed in her childbirth. The serpent was cursed. The ground was cursed. And the seed of the man was also cursed. Uh, you know, we find in this passage of Scripture that Adam took of that fruit, he became a thief, and he was kicked out of paradise. He was thrown out of the, the garden. You say, well, yeah, but, but Adam was deceived. And that's, that's just not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says that, that Eve was deceived, but the man was not deceived. Adam knew exactly what he was doing. He had all of the information that he needed to know. He had the information to make a good decision, but he disobeyed God. And because of that, he plunged all of humanity into sin. And we see theologically that it's by the seed of the man comes the Adamic nature, for by one man sin entered into the world. And so we see in this passage of Scripture a bad decision that was made. And, and friend, listen, we're always making good decisions. We're making bad decisions. You made a good decision to be in church here this morning. I'm glad you're here. But we have to make sure that we follow the Bible in these decisions that we make and, and read the word of God. That's why it's important to be in the Bible. That's why it's important to be in prayer and ask God to give you direction and wisdom in the decisions that you make in your life. Though a thief was kicked out of paradise that day, a promise was made. And the Bible says that God made a promise that from the seed of the woman that there would come a child. And that child, that Messiah, that Savior would rescue us from the sin of the man. And I'm glad today that we have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can have a wonderful faith in Christ and have a home in heaven, and that relationship with God can be restored. I want to close it with one thought here. Can we turn to Luke chapter 23 and notice here the power of Christ and what it does in our lives? Luke chapter 23. And notice the very wonderful words of the Lord Jesus, Luke chapter 23 and verse number 43. The Bible says this, Luke chapter 23, verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, this is Jesus speaking to a thief on the cross beside him. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me. In paradise. Every time I read that, it makes me smile because we read in the very beginning of the book, we see in Genesis, a thief is kicked out of paradise in Genesis chapter 3. But in Luke, because of Jesus and because of his redemptive work, a thief is welcomed back into paradise. And that is where we stand today. I hope you know Jesus as your Savior. And that's what the gospel can do. And if you're not a Christian today, your very best decision is to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to save you today. He wants to give you eternal life and welcome you back into 
his paradise. And Christians, I pray that you would, uh, you would understand what the Bible says, and I pray that you wouldn't fall to the trickery in the wilds of the devil. You would protect your home from the wicked one, and you would protect your life from the wicked one as you strive to make decisions that would glorify God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to serve you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in these days. Lord, we have so much information and often it becomes overwhelming. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to focus our attention on what you have to say, that we would follow your principles, your proverbs, your promises, and your commands to help us to make decisions that would honor you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. And I pray, Lord, you would help us even this morning to make good decisions. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.